You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. All right, we're going to be continuing our sermon series this morning. Uh, we're going through First and Second Peter, uh, which we've titled Living Hope. Uh, and as such, we'll be reading from the first 10 verses of First Peter chapter 2 today. So finally, we're in chapter 2. So please turn with me there. First Peter 2, verses 1 to 10. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up there for you. First Peter 2, 1 to 10. This is Peter. Peter, this is Peter speaking to the uh, Christian churches. He says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we could be here this morning. It is such a blessing to gather together in your presence, Lord God, and to to learn and grow together and to go through your word, Lord God. And as we do that, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive what you have for us, Lord God. I also want to lift up those that aren't here this morning, uh, our family that's that's elsewhere, Lord God, whether they're they're sick or, or whether they're on vacation or visiting family somewhere else, Lord God. I pray that you would bless them and that they would be a blessing wherever they're at as well, Lord God. I thank you for what you're doing in each of our hearts and what you're doing in this church, Lord. Be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the other night, my family and I were invited over to my in-law's house um, for supper, which was nice. And when we got there, we were served a very tasty meal of, of ginger beef and a vegetable stir-fry, which I enjoyed very much. But with them knowing that our, that our kids wouldn't eat that, and since they're like most grandparents who, who tend to spoil their grandkids, instead of stir-fry and ginger beef, my two boys got to eat Mickey Mouse-shaped macaroni and cheese with hot dog slices mixed in. Uh, and so it goes without saying that while I'm sure they enjoyed that meal, uh, it's not very healthy, right? Uh, so in trying to be a responsible father, which I try to do on occasion, on occasion, I, I pulled a piece of broccoli out of the stir fry for each of them, 
And I told them that they had to at least eat that as well, right? Just one piece of broccoli, that's all I asked of them, just something healthy in their belly. And um, one of my sons had no problem with that. Down the hatch it went. But the other one refused, so eventually we compromised and we allowed him to eat two pieces of those vegetable thingies that look like mini corn on the cobs. You know what I'm talking about, that are always in those vegetable stir-fries. And I have no idea what they are. And yeah, maybe as a 34-year-old adult, I should know what they are, but I have no idea what they are. But I also kind of don't want to know what they are because I don't want to spoil the fun of thinking I'm eating a shrink-rayed corn on the cob. Uh, every time I have vegetable stir-fry. So don't tell me what they are. They're shrink-rayed corn on the cob. So anyways, we compromised. We let them eat two of those, two pieces of those, instead of a broccoli. But the reason that I wanted my kids to eat some vegetables is because I, I, I truly want them to have a healthy diet so that they can grow up to have a good quality of life. Because I care about them, right? But not only as adults, even in their lives now, I want them to be, to be healthy. I want them to be, to be disciplined and, and well-behaved. I want them to be clean, right? So we give them baths. I want them to have good sleep habits, all that kind of stuff, right? Why? So they can enjoy life right now, so they can have good immune systems, so they're not sick all the time, so they can do well in school and concentrate, so they can do well in sports and, and have fun with their friends, and, and so they can be happy kids, and so that they can be kind to others and, and behave well, right? I want them to have healthy habits, so that they can be the awesome, good kids that I know they are. And so that they can have every opportunity to reach their potential in life. And that's good for them, right? And, and for everyone else around them too, right? Especially for Audrey and I. Because alternatively, uh, as, as parents or even aunties and uncles know, when kids are only eating sugar or, or salty products, and they're not getting to bed on time, then they become grumpy they become whiny, they become ungrateful, they get sick, and they have a greater tendency to become disobedient. It's the truth. But it's not just my kids, personally as well. I know personally as well what it's like to, to eat healthy and exercise and go to sleep on time, and it's good, and it feels good when, when I'm doing those healthy habits, right? And I'm able to be a better father and, and a husband and a pastor, and I'm able to, to focus more at work and concentrate and get things done around the house. But alternatively, when, when I go through those times and all I do is diet on, on baking and, and, and chips and, and staying up late and all that stuff, I'm grumpy and I'm an easily annoyed person, right? Because our, our diet and our healthy habits, they matter. They're very important, Right? And the same idea applies for us in our spiritual lives. Our diet and our habits matter. In fact, our spiritual diet is so incredibly important, not only in our growth as Christians, but also in our ability to live out who we are as Christians, whether in good times or hard times or, or among believers or among unbelievers, right? Our diet in this regard is so important to who we are. And in case we're confused, I'm no longer talking about vegetables here anymore. I'm talking about what are we living on spiritually? What are we consuming spiritually? Because it's pretty simple, really. If we're not living on a steady diet of spiritual sustenance in our daily lives, then we're dieting on something else. And we're not going to act and speak like Christ in our daily lives. We're not going to look like the people that we've been saved to be. And this is Peter's argument, in the, one of Peter's arguments in the passage this morning. We've been saved 
to look like we're saved. We've been saved to look like we're saved. It's kind of a summary of this passage or what I'm going to talk about today. Think of it like this. When, when a prince is born, like Prince William, for example, when he was born, he was born a prince, right? That's his birthright. He's a prince. But does he instantly act like a prince right after he's born? Does he speak like a prince? Does he know the traditions and history of his family crown? Does he know all that's required of him as a prince and later as a king right when he's born? Absolutely not, right? He has to grow. He has to learn. He has to mature into his birthright. And it's pretty much the same for us as Christians. We have to grow into our birthright, into our salvation. Because as we know, Jesus, first of all, he took our sins upon himself at the cross, right? And now by his grace, he freely offers us salvation, which is awesome. In other words, when we believe in his name through faith, he freely gives us forgiveness of sins. He gives us a new life. We're covered in his righteousness. In Christ, then, we're born again. We're made new. But not just born again. We're born again into the inheritance and the birthright of Jesus Christ. Sealed with his spirit as a guarantee. This is incredible. That's our salvation. We become sons and daughters of God. But do we instantly look and act like it the moment we're born again? No. We look righteous to God through Jesus Christ, but do we instantly look like sons and daughters of God the Father? No. We have to mature. We have to be sanctified. We have to grow into our birthright. That's why Peter says in verse 2, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. That you may grow up into salvation. Or in other words, just like how, how a baby naturally desires that which will make it grow strong and healthy. Right? We need to desire and consume the proper spiritual diet that will cause us to continue to grow up into who we've been saved to be. And it's not, it, not calling us babies here. Right? It's not saying we're babies and the spiritual milk is, is, is simple doctrine or something like that. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying like a baby desires the right things, we need to desire the right things so that we can continue to grow up into who we've been called to be. And so on that note, first of all then, let's look at, at who we are and who we've been saved to be. First, first Peter 2 goes through all of that, our identity in Christ, who we've been saved to be. First Peter 2, 5 to 10, let's read through that again. It says, you yourselves, it's talking about Christians, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. 
Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. There's lots in there, right? So just in a nutshell, who have we been saved to be? Who are we and who are we called to be? Number one, acceptable and shameless. As Christians recovered in, the, in, in Christ's mercy, right, we're no longer under the weight of our sin and guilt. There's no shame. There's no condemnation in the eyes of God for those who are in Christ. That's number one who we are. Number two, we're living stones. We're living stones. Living stones being built up as the temple of God. Right? You see, the, the old temple where, where God dwelt was made of actual stone, right? Actual stone, not alive, right? Stuck in one place, temporary. It's since been crumbled. It's long gone, just as Jesus prophesied it would be. But we've been saved in Christ to be the new and better temple of God, alive, the living temple of God, being built up together upon the foundation of the living stone, the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. And this being built together, this togetherness is also an important aspect of who we are as well. Uh, Just as uh, my dad spoke about last week, in that, that we're to love one another as the body of Christ. Because we carry the presence of God with us. We show the world who God is by loving each other, right? And so that togetherness is important. We're living stones, plural, right? Together we're the spiritual house. We're the church. That's who we are. And then number three, who are we? In Christ we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood called to proclaim his name. We've been called to be worshipers and lights of God to the world. We're chosen by God for God. That means that from the beginning of time, God's plan was for Christians to be his people and be his representatives. And that's who we are. That's who we are. That's our identity in Christ. And all this is amazing. All this is amazing. If you ever forget who you are in Christ, or if you need to be encouraged in who you are in Christ, or you're kind of losing your way, Turn to First Peter 2 and just read through the, those first 10 verses and just be reminded and encouraged of who you are in Christ and the purpose that you have in Christ. But Peter's argument here is if that's who we are, if that's, who, if that's what we're supposed to look like and act like, then we need to change our spiritual diet and our habits so that we can look and act like that, right? Because in contrast to this, we see those mentioned in verses 7 and 8, right? Those who stumble, because why? Because they disobey the word. But in Christ, or as Peter says, if we've tasted and know that the Lord is good, And that's not who we are anymore. We aren't those who stumble. We aren't those who disobey the word. So he says right off the bat that if we're a chosen people, if we're living stones called together to love one another and proclaim God's name, then we need to first of all remove everything from ourselves that doesn't belong or accomplish that. Verse 1. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Put it away. Remove it. My wife was watching this show on TLC the other day, so I saw a bit of it. It was called My 600-Pound Life. And in the episode she was watching, there was this doctor, and the doctor informed this lady who was over 600 pounds that if she didn't stop eating unhealthy foods, that she would die within months. So it it was pretty serious, right? 
And the doctor soon found out that even under the threat of of her dying, still the only way for her to stop eating sugary and unhealthy foods was to actually physically remove those foods from her house. They had to send a nutritionist in there and her sister, and they had to remove all the unhealthy foods from her house because she wouldn't stop eating them even though she knew she would die if she did. And the same goes for us spiritually. If we don't put away or remove those sinful attitudes and habits from from our old nature, then we'll keep reverting back to them. We'll keep dieting on those habits. We need to remove them or we'll revert back. And that's not good if we revert back, right? Obviously, because not not only... do they not represent Christ and then pull us back into who we used to be before we were saved? But they also create disunity within the body of Christ. It destroys that togetherness. You may have noticed that one of the things that all those uh, sinful attitudes that, that Peter mentions have in common is that they're all rooted in self-centeredness and pride. They're all meant to self-preserve by tearing others down, right? To hurt, to lie, to slander, to be envious of those who have more, to pretend you're someone you're not, right? It's all meant to self-preserve by tearing others down. All things that cause drama and will easily tear apart a community eventually. That's what Peter's saying. Put those things away. Strip them away. Because alternatively, we're called instead as Christians to build one another up, even at our own expense, to encourage one another and be happy for one another. Again, as, as Peter mentions right before this passage, to love one another just as Christ loved us, selflessly and sacrificially, right? He wants the best for us. We should desire the best for one another. So we need to strip away, we need to remove those sinful attitudes and habits that linger from our old nature. That's the first step. And to do that, it takes humble repentance, right? To allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction, to acknowledge our sin, to lay it down at the cross, right? To repent, to turn away from it and on to Christ who forgives, who freely forgives and changes our hearts. But simply removing these things won't work, right? We need to replace them with something else. Just, as, just like how simply refusing to eat unhealthy foods doesn't make you healthy, right? You need, to, you need to replace an unhealthy diet with a healthy diet. And Peter knows this, which is why he says we need to not only remove those sinful habits that we've been dieting on, but also we're to instead crave the spiritual milk which will make us grow up into our salvation. So, so what is this spiritual milk, What is a spiritual diet we're to live on? Well, James 1, if we turn there, it gives us a clue and also agrees with the passage in Peter that we learned from last week. So James 1, 21 to 22, says this. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness on the same page that we were just talking about. Same page as Peter here, right? Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and Replace that with and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word 
and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So as we remove with the help of the Holy Spirit all that is still lingering from our old nature, we're to replace it with the implanted word. The word became flesh. Jesus is the word, right? We need to replace that with the implanted word, not only in knowledge, but in obedience as well. And on that note, I'm sure we've all heard messages about how important it is for us to be reading our Bibles, right? And every time we hear these messages, we're like, yeah, you know, I really should be reading my Bible. And then we don't, right? Let's be honest. But what James is saying here and what Peter's saying in the passage from this morning, though, is that for Christians, reading the Bible isn't an option. It's a must for who we are. That's the diet we've been given. Along with prayer and worship and communion, of course, for sure, but the word is our daily bread. It's our manna in the desert. It's life-giving. It's Jesus' revelation of us, of, for us of who he is and who we're called to be in him. And it's therefore the main resource and the sustenance that will, that will make us grow and mature up into our salvation. We need to be consuming the word. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Bible, Jesus' word, it's alive and active. It changes us. It molds us. It cuts to the depths of our heart. It reveals our sin. It reveals our passions. It reveals who we are. And mostly it directs us to Christ and Christ-likeness. And if we've been saved through hearing and believing his word, the gospel, that means we've tasted it. That means we know that it's good and life-giving. And that alone should be our motivation to, to trust it and pour into it even more and desire it and long for that pure spiritual milk. But to not only read it, but to obey it as well. Again, th- those who are in contrast to who we are as Christians are those who stumble because they disobey the word. Right? But for us, as it says in James 1, we're to, we're to be not only hearers of the word, but doers. Or else we're just back to being hypocrites, back to who we were before, lying to ourselves, pretending we're something we're not. But Jesus is the word become flesh. If we're called to be like Christ, we need to obey the word. But let's back up a a bit because I can't stress this enough. Obedience to the word starts with reading it. It starts with reading it. If we're not reading the Bible and letting it inform us and shape us and cut to the depths of our own spirit and our hearts, then it goes without saying that it'll be impossible to be obedient to it. We don't know what it says. How can, how can we do what it says? And more impossible still to be a chosen and holy people who proclaim the gospel and the excellencies of God How can we do that? Because if we're not reading the word, because the gospel and excellencies of God have been revealed to us in the word. If we don't know it, we can't proclaim it. 
also, and this is one of Peter's primary points here, if we're not dieting steadily on the word of God, our spiritual milk, then there's no doubt that our relationship with God is going to suffer. There's no doubt that we'll revert back to our old sinful ways. If we're honest with ourselves, every one of us, including myself, can testify that the longer we go without reading the word, the more doubtful we become of God. The farther, the, the farther we, 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 we go from God, the more worldly we become, the more quick-tempered, the more selfish and unchristlike we become, the longer we go without reading the word. But that's not who we are. That's not who we're supposed to be. We've been saved out of that darkness. Out of that sinful life. And we've been saved into his marvelous light. And it's the Holy Spirit inspired word of God that's been given to us by God. Not to, not to sit on our shelf and collect dust. Not to, not to put us asleep in dullness but to spiritually revive us and mold us and shape us and teach us and draw us deeper into the presence of that glorious light and into deeper maturity. So what I'm trying to say here is read the Bible. Read your Bible. Soak up his word daily. That's crazy. A personal testimony. Before I had this job, before I was in ministry, I I worked as a a purchaser at a super boring place. And one day, I just had this desire in me to just start reading the Word. I'd I'd gone through Bible college, graduated, theology degree, and and the Bible kind of became kind of boring to me after that, to be honest. And I went a few years with kind of occasionally reading the Bible. But all of a sudden, I just had this desire to start reading the Bible, and I'd close my office door and be reading the Bible, and I'd take bathroom breaks so I could, like, read the Bible without anybody knowing. And I just started pouring into the Word, and I didn't know why. But now I know why, because God was preparing me. God was drawing me to Him. God was teaching me, preparing my heart, removing those things in me, revealing those things in me that that I needed to remove, preparing me for what was to come. God does that through his word. So desire that which will draw us closer to Christ and Christ-likeness. Desire that pure spiritual milk. And really, we Canadians, we have have no excuse here, right? There's no limitations. There's no laws. There's no threat of death preventing us from reading God's word, right? Right? But yet I think we read it the least out of all Christians in the world. There's no excuse, though. With that being said, though, if you don't have a Bible, talk to me and I'll get you one. Someone just asked for a Bible before this message, which is pretty cool. But seriously, though, every translation of the Bible is available on the Internet. Google Bible, and there'll be like a billion pages with the Bible. There's dozens of Bible apps on your phone, right? And if you don't know where to start reading in the Bible, 
There are reading plans freely, readily available. I can give you one if you need one. Or just start somewhere easy, like just start reading the Gospel of John or or the Gospel of Mark or something. And if reading the Bible seems like a daunting task for you because it's so big, except it's like not really that big, if you've read the Lord of the Rings trilogy or something, it's then you'll be fine. But maybe just try, just try a chapter a day or, or even just a couple verses a day. Or if you're commuting to work every day or, or if you don't feel like reading, if you hate reading, then try an audio Bible. Most of the Bible apps, you can just click you know, the audio and it just reads it to you. Or read it with friends. Make sure you're going to the community group and, and all those things so that, so that you're studying the Bible. If you're married, read it with your spouse. If you have kids, read it with your kids. Whatever or however you decide to do it, just do it. Read the word. And make sure that each and every time you do, pray before and after and ask God to open your eyes to his word so that it can change you and draw you closer to him. That's what it's there for. In conclusion then, let us hate what is evil. Let us strip away those things that still linger from our old nature and let us instead desire and crave the spiritual milk that will make us grow up into our salvation so that we can be the people that we've been chosen and called by God to be. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've saved us by sending your son Jesus Christ to take our place at the cross. Lord Lord God, but I also thank you so much for your word that we have in Canada readily available, readily accessible, and that you've given us that word so that we can grow into, into our knowledge of who you are, Lord, so that we can draw closer to you, so that we can get to know you better, so that we can be changed and molded and and convicted and and sanctified and so that we can grow up into who you've called us to be, Lord God. And so, Lord Lord God, I pray for each and every person in this room, Lord, that you would just, just create a desire in each one of us, a passion, a craving, Lord God, for your word. And that each and every day you would just draw us into your word like a magnet, Lord God, that we would be drawn to just to read what you have for us, Lord, and that we would be changed by it. That we would be molded, that we would become the living stones, the temple that you've called us to be, Lord. I give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.